If anybody wants to see, there's a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie tonight is, uh, I am going back to the documentary well. I believe I just did my first documentary a while back with Grizzly Man, and that was an exceptionally fun episode where we just giggled the entire time and made fun of Timmy Treadwell. And, and because I enjoy talking about documentaries, I've decided to go back to the well. And today we're talking about the 2007 documentary, The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, which I know it's kind of a mouthful and I don't especially love the title, but it's basically a documentary about two people going for the world record high score of Donkey Kong. And there is a lot to talk about in this one. I happen to think this is one of the greatest documentaries of all time. I have never met somebody who isn't fascinated by this story and doesn't get drawn into it, including, and we'll talk about this later, my 20-year-old daughter, who couldn't give a rat's ass about video games, but found this to be one of the greatest movies she saw last year. She loved it. So... Here we go. My guest for the King of Kong, he is a uh, journalist out in, I believe, Washington, D.C. He may correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, He's a Survivor fan, uh, Donkey Kong high score enthusiast. He's trying on his own to break the record. I'm guessing he's probably not been successful. But he is a character I've known from the reality TV world for a while, and I've always wanted to get him on a show just because he has a big personality. So I want to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Bailey Vogt. Well... Well, Mario, I'm surprised that you brought me on at all, because just like everything that I do invites controversy. It's kind of like the abortion debate. Like, (laughs) yeah, like everything I do, you can't help it. No, Mario, I'm so excited that I'm finally here to talk to you about one of the many movies that I've pitched to you over the years, including this one. And, oh, God, I I, I will co-sign the fact that this is the greatest documentary of all time. Yeah, and let's get this out of the way right at the top. You don't have to love video games to like this movie, correct? Oh, absolutely not. No. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> if, it, I, I always tell people, if you like The Office, you're going to love this movie. Because it's just basically like, it, it, it baffles you because you think this was written. It like It's like people can't actually exist that act like that. <laughs> like it's That's the draw of this movie is it's just like amazing. I'm glad you compared it to The Office, because now I'm going to go the whole episode and try to make a That's What She Said reference. <laughs> All right. You've dug your own grave now, Bailey. Oh, no. And I'm, I don't even like The Office. That's the worst part. Like, <laughs> oh, God. Now, I have heard we both have a bit of a personal connection to this movie. And before we delve into yours and mine, I just want to get this right out of the open. A lot of people wanted this to be a Staff Picks episode, and they all pitched themselves as the host. And Bailey happened to be the one I picked for various reasons. But there's a lot of people out there that all thought they'd be the perfect host for this because they all know some of the people involved. They're in the video game industry. They play video games for a living and try to break records on their own. So I'm just laying that out there right at the start that if you want to hate Bailey, he, I'm sure he will invite the hate because he is a villain. But Talk shit, get hit, bitches. I will come. I will. I will defend my position as the person that can talk about this documentary. And if you want to come fight me, 
Let's see how you are fighting without that joystick. Boom. <laughs> Do you have the, the, the reinforced padded glove for the joystick, like the guy that plays Crystal Castles or whatever? Oh, oh I have a weightlifting glove that's actually used for weightlifting. So <laughs> congratulations. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> All right. So tell me your personal connection to the King of Kong. I should point out, I have not heard this story before, so I don't know what he's going to say here. So like, so I, when I was in, I was in this middle period of my career where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't want to do engineering because I didn't like math. Uh, so like I was kind of in a video class, just kind of like, ah, who knows what's happening. And up till this point, all of the documentaries that I'd ever watched in my life were the planet earth, like David Attenborough narrating some chinchilla that gets eaten to death through five minutes like it's just they were all like these proper people just doing these like highbrow documentaries and then my teacher mr forbes corona del sol support cte teachers um he puts on in our film class king of kong and this was the first documentary that i have seen where basically everyone is a terrible person <laughs> Maybe not most people, but everyone is presented as not like these higher-than-thou figures that we need to be respected because they're a part of a documentary. These, like, everyone, including including Steve Wiebe, our hero of the story, is not considered a, like, isn't really presented as a hero. He's kind of presented as very pathetic and sad. And it was just such a mind-blowing thing for me to watch that it almost it pretty much jump started my career and my love for the idea of telling stories like that telling like telling not just the these big like ornate pieces but at, things about just regular everyday life including video game tournaments so that was kind of my personal connection to this movie and i still like i and it's it's also hilarious to boot so I love, I will always stand by as this, as one of my favorite movies of all time. So basically this was the first documentary saw that was not pretentious. This is just like ordinary people. Yeah, it was just ordinary people doing ordinary things. It wasn't trying to be over the top. Like it was, it was real with its characters. It was real with its editing and it, it came off as so much more grounded and I really connected with that. Yeah, I love you said it's not over the top because it does feature one of the most over the top people I have ever met in my life. <laughs> oh my god. Like uh like a nerdy coach. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy Billy Mitchell is <laughs> insane. I We're going to do our best on this podcast to explain who Billy Mitchell is to people who have maybe never seen him before. And can we? Like <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an exercise in futility. It's very hard to describe Billy Mitchell. Oh god. Uh, what what was the line that I wrote down? Because there was another line, like I, the abortion line debate is one of my favorite lines of his. By the way, I I, I I'm not try I did not compare my controversy to the abortion debate. That's a line that Billy says. I want that cleared up <laughs> right away. Um, my favorite line that I wrote down that Billy Mitchell said um, was, "Not even Helen of Troy has had this much attention." <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm like, why did I know? A, why did I forget that line? And B, how have I never used that line ever anywhere in my life? I would use that. That is now in my lexicon of like 10 things to say in an awkward social situation. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to summarize this movie quickly before we delve into the plot. And Bailey mentioned a name there, Coach. Now, Coach is a contestant on Survivor. Now, I do Survivor podcast. Bailey's from that community. If you're not from Survivor, you won't know who we're talking about. Coach was this guy, Benjamin Wade, this big, larger-than-life mythical figure, compared himself to a dragon slayer, was always quoting Nietzsche and famous poetry, and just so much over the top, had all these stories about all these things he did. And A, Coach has already been on staff picks. He was my guest on my uh, the, the Last Samurai podcast. That was a fun one. But B... This movie has a guy who's basically a real-life version of Coach, only in the professional video gaming realm. Oh my gosh, this guy. It's like luscious locks to boot. Like, it's, <laughs> yes. it's, it, it's just all working for him. It's all there. <laughs> it's, he's the bad boy of video gaming. That's, <laughs> and that's why people love this movie. It's, it's just this super mundane documentary about just two dudes going after a video game record, which I should point out is about 25 years after this video game was cool. So, like, it's almost sad in a sense because it's just so pathetic. These guys are going after a video game record in the 2000s. Oh, and, like, you have all of these people that are talking about, like, how big it was in the 80s. Like, you have Walter Day, the then, like, the then runner of Twin Galaxies, talking about, yeah, in the 80s, we were going to, we just dreamed of, like, playing video games with women hanging off of our arms. <laughs> and you're like, what? That wasn't even plausible then. Now? Queen, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... But that, oh. but that's the underlying thing of this movie I want to get to across to people, that it sounds dumb. It's just two dudes going after a video game record, and it is kind of dumb. Like, there's almost nothing sadder than people trying to set classic arcade records in the 2000s. But it's so compelling. You, can't, you cannot help but get wrapped up in this movie. If you want to watch Remember the Titans and Weird Science being thrown together at 200 miles an hour, it is King of Kong. It is... <laughs> It is just like they pitch it as this over-the-top sports movie. But you have to remember, this is just all nerds who are in rural New Hampshire hoarding their little, uh, hoarding their arcade games and Guinness World Record holdings. Like, it's, it's just, it, it, it's like it happened in a different universe that I'm not sure I want to accept exists. <laughs> But again, I defy anyone not to care about the story. Again, I know so many people that say, I started watching it and I just didn't buy it. It's too ridiculous. And then about midway through, they start investing themselves in it. And now it's like, go, kill him, kill Billy Mitchell. Like, it's, they get so wrapped up. It's so awesome. Like, I just heard, heard I had a film student or someone, I forget who it was, tell me just earlier today. He's like, if I could put a movie in film class and show you how you can create a narrative and make someone a good guy and someone the bad guy just out of existing footage and like their quirks, this is like the perfect movie because everyone just goes right into their roles even though I know the truth is probably a lot more murky. Oh, absolutely. Like the way that they talk and the way that they present themselves are is just like it's just a clear-cut like editing ability to create heroes and villains. Billy Mitchell is so super cocky. I don't know if that's wholly an act, but he is super cocky. So he's a, automatically the villain. Steve, Steve Weeby, 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 got it right, babe. Uh, Weeby is so 
like mundane and kind of talks down on himself. So it's easy to make him a hero. It's just, it's all working for how to create a narrative. It's perfect. Yeah, and that is, the, of course, the elephant in the room that we have to talk about, and I'm sure you'll probably agree with me, although this is kind of interesting discussion, because we both come from the Survivor community, where Survivor is made up of real footage that they edit into a narrative, and mm-hmm. the fans that are tend to be a little brighter understand it's just a narrative, this isn't exactly how it went down, but there are yeah. a lot of Survivor fans that get really wrapped up in the show and personal. Like, they start screaming at the players on social media and sending them death threats, and they're so angry. And it's like, you know, this was an edited footage. Like, this isn't exactly how it happened on the island. That That's that's the elephant in the room with the King of Kong, because I know there's a ton of controversy about this movie, that the way it's presented is not the way it re- really went down. So I just want to say that right at the start here. When we talk about this, we're going to talk about the characters I don't have any idea how it really went down in real life. I'm only talking about the documentary here. Oh, 100%. I I have an idea of some of the things that went down, but I don't know a I don't know a whole lot about it. I did do some research afterwards, but yeah, this is clearly like you can tell where they edited clips to just make it known like this is we're trying to create a narrative here. Like I use this in my documentary film class. I use this uh, I had an argument with my documentary professor where I argued that documentaries and reality game show footage is can be compared mm-hmm. because ultimately you can create a narrative out of documentary film as you can out of a reality game show. I got a C in that class, and I'm not saying it's because I argued with the teacher a lot, but you know, like it's. But I I stand by that fact. This is the per- pitch perfect version of how documentaries are just because it is considered a documentary does not mean it's actual truth. Documentaries still require you to have a narrative so that you will be interested and you'll want to follow along. You want to see the heroes succeed and the villains fail. And despite the fact that this these are real people doing a real documentary, that doesn't change. And this is the perfect movie that exemplifies that. Yeah, the only hard and fast truths you can take from this movie are Two guys are competing for a video game record, and at the end of the day, one of them wins and one doesn't. That's really all you can take. And the rest is all, like, I've heard various stories. Some say this movie's 100% bullshit. I know someone who is in the professional video game industry says, oh, I know all those people in real life. That movie is completely accurate. That's how everyone is. That's exactly how it's. But I've heard, like, varying 180 degrees difference on that truth. So, again, I just want to get that across to people. I don't entirely know what the truth is here. We're only talking about the movie here. Absolutely. Now I get to talk about my history with with this movie. Yes, tell me. I was a video game prodigy. When I you was, were? Yeah, when I was a kid, I had a very odd childhood that my father wanted me to be a professional horse racing handicapper. Believable, continue. Yeah. So I'm like five years old. My dad's taking me to the track, like Goodwill Hunting. He wants me to learn how to handicap races to make him rich. And so I grew up at the racetrack, and it didn't work. Like, I had a really good brain for stuff, but I could not focus on horse races because I didn't didn't care. But eventually, it transferred over to video game arcades. And I was, Bailey, one of these people with women hanging off them because I was so good at video games as a kid. No. No, I was too young. But I was like seven, eight, nine years old, right there in the video game boom. And what would happen is my dad was a lawyer. He had a law office. I'd go to his just work after school and he couldn't take me home because he was busy he'd say here's five bucks go to the arcade next door 
So I'm seven, and I have to figure out a way to make $5 last like three hours at the arcade. So I got really, really good at video games. Like, not Billy Mitchell good, but in the 80s, you'd be too young to know this. Every arcade had like one little kid who just could kill anybody in any game, and that was me, just because I spent approximately 30% of my life in video game arcades with, with uh, rowdy, drunk teenagers, and that was my peer group. This is my. This is the best origin story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like this is incredible. Please, like, why talk about King of Kong? Just please go through your entire biography right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't talked about that much, but yeah, that was my world. Just uh, hanging out in arcades, learning not to get mugged by the older kids because they always try to take your quarters, and you had to learn how to hang with these older kids. And there was a couple games that I was, like, the master of for my arcade. Like, nobody would challenge me. Dragon's Lair would be a big one. I could dominate that game every time. There was one called uh, Karate Champ, uh, Kung Fu Master, a bunch of these games. But I was not into these big hardcore games like the Billy Mitchell would play, like Donkey Kong. So I know this world very well. These guys are on a level even above where I was. But, again, I was 8 years old. It's really kind of ridiculous to me to watch guys who are 45 in the same environment. <laughs> acting like they're eight years old. (laughs) But again, everything in this movie that's talked about with the video games is true. There were like five big games. Donkey Kong was considered one of the hardest games in the arcade. I didn't play it very much. And then Defender was probably the hardest, but Donkey Kong would be number two. So these are, this is a hardcore legit game that to be really good at, like I think in the movie they talk about, they get to the 26th level and that's where it ends. I could not get past level five and I was considered a pretty good player. So like these guys are way beyond what I could ever do. Like five, five level five as in uh, like the fifth screen or level five as in like the fifth iteration of screens. Like, cause I, I've played, I've played the game a few, like I played Donkey Kong a ton and I'm, I want to know where you got in that. Not as far as you hope. <laughs> I would talk okay. about, it's about the fifth screen. Not, I would love to say I got to the fifth iteration of the elevators, but there's no way I was going to get that far. It's way too hard unless you memorize the pattern. So I was like, there was one level they always called the Pie Factory. I, I don't know what the actual name is. We called it the Pie Factory, and I could never get to that, and that's like the level six or seven. Yeah, oh, God. The third elevator is still and always will be my downfall. I like it's either I will continue on past that or I will fall and I will fail. And they say that in the movie, the third elevator, that's where you separate the men from the boys. Yep. Oh, nope. And I am very much mostly like if we're if we're comparing men to boys, I'm in like adolescent phase, <laughs> like I'm halfway in between. It's pretty it, it's a coin flip. You are still a better man than me because I cannot even get that far. Yeah, Donkey Kong is a legit game. Although, here's the other part of this game that I have to point out. This game fucking ruined my life. What? Yes, please continue. Okay, so I'm a kid. I'm a very weird, awkward kid who lives in an arcade and a racetrack. I have no peers. No one does anything like I do. But I have a name that's very anonymous. It's a weird Italian name. Nobody's ever heard it before. And I was fine when Donkey Kong came out, because are you aware that Mario was not originally named Mario when this video game came out? Yes, yes. I don't remember his names, but I do know I do know that for a fact. Yeah, he was called Jumpman. That was his name. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah. And so then Donkey Kong came out, and I was like, eh, oh, that's fine. And then the sequel to this came out, which was Verse Mario Brothers, and then they retroactively renamed the Donkey Kong guy Mario. Oh, no. <laughs> I would not hear the end of this for the next 20 years because... How did 
I not piece that together? But when you started that, oh my God. Yeah. So that was, I could never be anonymous in school again because everybody would always say, Hey, you're going to get the princess. Hey, how's Donkey Kong? Hey, how's Luigi? So anyway, this movie, I heard this video game. I fucking hated. It's a you Mario. Yeah. There's no way to get on my side. Good side. Better than to greet me with. It's a you Mario. I'm, I'm, Wise words that I've heard. If you think that you've made an original joke about somebody's name, you haven't made the the joke is not original. It never is. It never is. If somebody wants to make an original joke about my name, someone once called me Mario Speedwagon. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm cool with that. That's at least original. I'll just call you Mar- March 10th. Yes, March 10th, yeah. So anyway, I was a video game prodigy and I was kind of done by about 1984, 85. I moved out of it and started talking to girls and people. Again, I did not have the girls hanging off me. But (laughs) then, you know, all these years passed and I had never heard of this movie. My brother was the one who saw it first. And my brother, Dominic, knew that I used to be a video game nerd. And he saw it in the theater in Pasadena in like 2007 or 8. And he's like, Mario, you have got to see The King of Kong. And I'm like, what's that? He's like... Don't even ask me. Just walk to the theater right now and watch this movie. This is your world. These are your people. So that's my history that I know this world so very well. <laughs> so there you go. My my shameful past as a video game prodigy at eight years old. Oh, what a blessing. I am so glad I got to bear witness to this marvel of uh, verbal history right here. <laughs> yes. And again, once I reiterate that people competing for video game records in 1982 – cool people competing for video game records in 2005 not cool (laughs) (laughs) it just i don't know why this is the thing i thought of but it reminds me of like that photo have you ever seen that photo of the couple that in their divorce hearings in 1995 they were splitting up their beanie baby collection (laughs) no but it feels like that like you're looking back now and you're like you're still you're still you're going through this okay okay cool (laughs) No, no, I'm not going to say anything. I have nothing to say. No shame. They're still fighting over the old possessions. But yeah, that is exactly what the King of Kong is, a over-the-top video game legend against a unassuming newcomer 20 years after anybody gave a shit about this video game. Oh, bless. <laughs> so I'm, hope, I'm hoping we're enticing people to maybe seek this out already. You, If you haven't seen this documentary, you have not watched documentary film. I'm just going to say it. Like, if like you need like this is the movie that you need to broaden your horizons with documentaries because this like this is the one of like the five that you need to have in your arsenal. <laughs> okay, are we ready to walk through the carnage of the King of Kong? Oh God bless! Yes, of course. Okay, as Bailey pointed out, there's two major characters in this movie, and again, there's a whole wonderful cast of side characters, but the two of them are Billy Mitchell and Steve Wiebe. And I will uh, leave it to you because I know you're you have a way with words. Try your best to describe Billy Mitchell to people. <sighs> Billy Mitchell is the person that's trying to sell you both a new car and a new mattress at the same time. <laughs> Billy Mitchell is Jonathan Van Ness if he grew out his beard and then just ditched everything and became a plumber just trying to get you to go up to his next package. Billy Mitchell just exudes 
over-the-top confidence and over-the-top competition. He always has a trick up his sleeve. He thinks that when he walks into the room, he thinks that everybody looks at him, which is true, because especially in an arcade. So he he... If you have ever had a boss that thinks that they're like, if you ever had that coworker that thinks that they're hot shit but never actually gets anything done, it is that confidence that Billy Mitchell has, except he does technically get things done. Asterisk, which I'm sure we'll talk about. (laughs) We'll get to that at the end. Yeah. Billy Mitchell, just as larger than life figure, wears black at all times, has a beard, mustache, these piercing blue eyes, and he always wears an American tie, like the American flag. And (laughs) And, and his his three-letter high score sign-off is USA. Yes. Billy is the, he was recently named the Gamer of the Century. He is a legend. He at one time owned like every major video game record back in the 80s, and he's kind of been coasting by on that fame all these years. And like he walks into an arcade and people tremble. And like you think we're kidding, but we're not. They really do. He's got a whole army of lackeys that follow him around. And this whole movie is his lackeys protecting him and swarming around his legend as a newcomer comes in and tries to challenge Billy Mitchell. Oh my God. It's like it. The amount of little like minions that Billy Mitchell has, it's 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 like an action movie where you have like it's like they took an action movie and gave all the minions names <laughs> like and personalities and gave them little title cards and like, hey, this is this minion who works for Billy Mitchell and this is what he does. Oh, God, and some of them are just incredible. And again, we're not I'm not going to put down, you may put down Billy Mitchell. I'm not putting him down. Like, he is a legitimate video game legend. He has created this persona. He, like, runs a hot sauce and chicken wing empire in Florida. He is, like, a really big deal. And in his movie, he's presented as the greatest over-the-top villain ever. And I don't know where the truth lies, where it doesn't, but, like, he is amazing. He is incredible. And I'm putting... I put him down in the sense that, you know, I bought into the narrative. I did buy into the narrative because it's like, you know, he's presented as this over the top villain and you want to see him fail. So like Billy Mitchell is just an iconic villain. Like Cruella DeVille, move aside. Jafar, step back because Billy Mitchell is the true Disney villain that we have all needed in our lives. (laughs) Yet, not only is he the villain in the narrative, he is consistently described as the most amazing human being ever by everybody else in this movie, up to and including one point where he's called a Jedi. <laughs> oh my god, did I I think I like blacked out or something when I heard that reference because I do not remember that and I watched this movie again three hours ago. Yeah, no, there's there's <laughs> a part where Walter Day says he Obi Wan Kenobi's people. He Jedi mind tricks people. Oh, no, I do remember this. Oh god. It hurts. It's amazing. It's awful. I love it. Yeah, but Billy is this local legend in Florida. He again, he has the restaurant empire. He goes to every video game convention. He like everyone knows his name. He is the face of classic video games and video game records. And boy is he a catchphrase machine. Oh god. <laughs> the iconic things that come out of his mouth are just ridiculous. The I've already said two of them. I will never get tired of him answering the phone with world record headquarters. This is Billy speaking. <laughs> like, There's parts that you're like, okay, editing. But then you have those moments where you're like, is this who you truly are? Because that's going to be really hard to fake. 
Okay, I'll have a couple of quotes by Billy. And again, the movie starts with Billy Mitchell speaking because they know he's the star. This guy is the star of the movie. And he's talking about, you know, video games must be played in person. You must be able to prove your worth. And he's got a big rant here like uh, competitive gaming. When you want to attach your name to a world record, if you want your name to go down in history, you have to pay the price. Oh. So Billy has sold his soul to the devil, apparently. And then he goes into a World, world War One analogy where he talks about this French pilot. He's like in World War One, shot down 24 enemy planes and the top American pilot. Most people don't know his name. He's Eddie Rickenbacker. He shot down 26 planes. Then he's like, but the German Red Baron, he shot down 87 planes. There's a level of difference between some people and it translates into video games. I, and my favorite part of that quote is like, if you want a full introduction of Billy Mitchell's character, it's the part where he says, nobody who knows who that is, but it's Eddie Rickenbacker. <laughs> like he lives his life knowing that he is the shit and he is top dog. Like, and he's above other people. Like the, for, for you, for you to just say immediately, like, Oh, the, this person who no one knows, but I do. Like, that's all you need to know about Billy Mitchell in a three-second soundbite. That's such a coach quote, too. Nobody knows how much I can bench, but I bench 400. <laughs> Nobody knows who Eddie Rickenbacker is. I do. <laughs> yes. Hand up. Yeah, so that's Billy's intro to the movie that he talks about only the best in history get remembered. That's just in the first minute. <laughs> and he's created this legend where he's the best at video games. He is the face of video games, and he will do anything, anything to make sure his legend stays at the top. He will. He he goes so out of his way to make sure that nobody touches his empire and legacy. And it is on full display, regardless of editing or not. It is on full display in this documentary. Okay, and so we, we, we intro, we meet Billy, we meet Walter Day, we meet Steve Wiebe. These are going to be the major characters. But basically, it's all about Billy at the start. And now we learn about how Billy became a legend, which is one of my favorite parts of this movie, when we flash back to 1982. Oh, uh, that, that, that fro, man. The fro and the, the mustache. <laughs> just incredible. What, like, <laughs> I don't know how his hair came could get any better. Yeah, well... The one thing I okay so okay we start with this guy Steve Sanders he's Billy Mitchell's right hand man his best friend and he's talking about the history of video games and we get a little segment here where they talk about these video games in the eighties that became the the in the public consciousness consciousness the big five would be Galaga Donkey Kong Pac Man Ms Pac Man and Defender that if you were good at those five like you were the best video game player in the world because we have a big the lecture here about how classic video games were so much harder because what are the five things they required simplicity eye-hand coordination muscle reflex quick thinking and memorization of patterns and like if you could get good at those games you would be like on a such a higher plane than most people yeah it's the the like they talk about how like they love the basicness of those games because it requires all of those five elements in a more of a fashion it's hard it's it's more about math and having the skill to be able to understand when you need to make certain moves when rather than just 
as I've played in many other video games that are not like classics, it's just like shoot first, hope for the best. Like you can't succeed if you do not know what you're doing. Yeah, and it's, it's as a video game nerd myself, I find it interesting he put Galaga in there. Now, are you familiar with all five of these games? Uh, to varying degrees, yes. Uh, mostly King of Kong, uh, sorry, uh, Donkey Kong, but I have had, I, I've obviously played a few times of Pac-Man and other games. Okay, yeah, Galaga of those five is not as hard as the other five. I'm surprised that's included, because when I was a kid, I always remember Robotron is the one that they would send people in to break their spirits. Robotron and Sinistar are, like, too hard. Do you know either of those two? Uh, don't know those ones offhand. Okay. Bailey's much younger. I should, in his defense, he he didn't grow up in an arcade like I did. <laughs> I was born in 1995, <laughs> and I'm sorry for that fact. <laughs> it's cool. No, it's cool. <laughs> All right, so, uh, and then we he talks about, Steve Sanders talks about, these are the big five video games, and then there's a great quote where he says, only the diehards continue to stick with them. And this is where we're plunged into the world of the people that are still playing Donkey Kong in 2007, which was not me. I was not aware people were still doing that at the time. Like, the fact that, like, there's people who are saying, oh, yeah, I picked up my entire life and moved so I could be closer to GameSpot. (laughs) Or, like, the one guy who's like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't have sex. I play video games. I think that's a better vice than anything else. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to flash back to 1982, the day Billy Mitchell became a legend. And I cannot overstate how goofy he looked in 1982. And I, I hope that, again, I've heard Billy Mitchell is very uh, prone to suing people. He's lawsuit happy. He does not like people disparaging him. So I say that in the nicest way. You would not expect that this young man was the brightest of his generation just by looking at him. Oh, definitely not. And, I mean, like, side note, side, total sidebar like uh have you seen the news recently no who who are we who are we making fun of here well he recently also sued a uh channel who went through and kind of did an expose on why they think that um why twin galaxies thinks that billy mitchell uh, faked his scores no there's still the controversy going on yeah and it had like it's the guy released a video five days ago like, the timing of our podcast could not be better. <laughs> wow. I had no idea. So this movie came out in 2007, and Billy Mitchell was controversial. It's now 2020, and he's still controversial. This is, this like, this movie, if you go into the, we're so, getting so sidetracked, but this movie gets even better as you, like, look up things that happen after this movie. <laughs> because it just gets, it just, it you like you just continue to get fed even when the documentary is over. <laughs> okay, we'll save that for the end because there's a lot to talk about here. Okay, so oh, there's so much. Yeah, it's 1982, and there's this uh, video game enthusiast named Walter Day in Iowa. He puts together this photo shoot. He's like, you know, let's take all the top video game players in the world at the peak of video game fame and bring them all together for a photo shoot. And this is where Billy Mitchell showed up, and we get a very young, very dim looking Billy Mitchell with the tiny eyes, like the protruding teeth. Like he's so unassuming looking, but there's another video game player there named Steve Sanders. And apparently again, the first controversy in the movie, Steve Sanders claims to be the world record holder in Donkey Kong, but he lied. He lied about his score. So Billy challenges him to a a match right there in the spot and kicks the crap out of him. Oh God. And like, 
This guy's also, you like come to present day, this guy's an attorney. He's admitting to lying about a Donkey Kong score. Like, it's incredible. Yes. Although Steve Sanders does drop a quote here about Billy Mitchell. And Survivor fans will recognize this quote where Steve says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Oh, my God. Like, and he made that as, like, a full Bible quote. Like, it's just, it, it just gets you into the lore of this universe right away. It's, it's just a lot of people who are super attached to Billy Mitchell. Yeah. And Billy Mitchell himself, again, he shows up at this photo shoot. He beats the crap out of the world record holder in Donkey Kong that day on the spot in front of everybody. He sets a world record, 870,000. And then we flash forward to Billy Mitchell now in 2007. And he says, you know, Steve Sanders became a lawyer and he became a success. He is only the person he is today because he fell under the wrath of Bill Mitchell. (laughs) The third person. He refers to himself in third person. Unedited. It's unedited, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's how Billy became a legend in 1982. He set the Donkey Kong record on the fly in front of everybody. And then it's just this beautiful photo spread where they shut down, I believe, an entire city street and had all of the guys who had records on top of the video game machines with, like, cheerleaders doing, like, poses in the bottom. It's just... It's iconic. It's an incredible photo. So you are you are continuing to argue that they were not having women hanging off them for being good at arcade games. I, I mean, we can say that they had the presentation of that. <laughs> it was definitely there to some degree. I don't think it's to the degree they were hoping for, but... <laughs> I will say now, just just all kidding aside, like I don't use drugs or anything. I'm very in very uh, square. But the closest I've ever come to using drugs in my life is when I was like nine years old and I'm playing a video game and they have to put a second monitor on top of it because there's so many people crowded around you watching the game. Like that is the closest most people will ever have to having the high of drugs, just knowing you're that famous among 50 people in an arcade at that moment. And I had that many times. So I, like, I get the comparison. Clearly, the women were not hanging off people. But if you're good at this stuff at a certain level, you really get addicted to the, even a small modicum of fame you get. Mario, you peaked at nine. Incredible. Look at that. <laughs> Like, I can't, like, I'm just picturing, like, this big crowd around you as you're just, like, like, little you probably, like, kneeling on a stool, like, just going back and forth from buttons to joystick. My favorite was the game Dragon's Lair, where I literally had an open offer to anybody in the arcade. The game cost 50 cents. I'm like, if you want me to get past any level for you, give me a quarter and I'll get it past it for you so you can pretend you won the game. This is my nine-year-old hustler mentality right there. (laughs) this is amazing i am i i can't this is incredible (laughs) yeah so anyway yeah we see the legend of billy mitchell was born and now we flash forward to the future and again this guy is so famous everybody knows him in the video game world what are the words they use to describe him like a self-made he's always number one and billy mitch he's the top dog dog. he sells mugs that say never settle he's like so he's like an inspirational life coach He's like, yeah, and then he, he becomes like a fa- like a very influential restauranteur, or, restauranteur and sauce maker. So, yeah, he's lived his life at the top of a heap. And I love, again, in the narrative of the story, Billy Mitchell is the villain. He will be the bad guy. You're rooting against him. But all the, the uh, 
what the backstory is explained by people that love him. So they're like, Billy's so positive. He's a source of joy and inspiration. He's very inspiring. He's the perfect ambassador for video games. In fact, the Walter Day, the guy who runs the video game empire, says Billy Mitchell should wind up on a Wheaties box one day. Oh, God, yes. It's it, it's just the way that they fawn around him is just incredible television. It, it just sets the scene perfectly. It sets Billy's influence. It lets you know who he is and what he does and how he's, he has influenced this gaming world. It's, it, it's such a good introduction to this character that has been introduced in the documentary. Yeah, and again, Billy can put his money where his mouth is. He was a big video game legend in 82, and then they point out in 1999, 17 years later, he went to this uh, arcade in New Hampshire called Fun Spot. He scored the first ever perfect score on Pac-Man, where you get every single possible point in the game and never die, which is the first time that had been done in history, and that was done live in person. So, like, this guy's still yeah. breaking records later in his life, and yeah, this is, so he's he's continued his fame all throughout his adulthood. He definitely has the chops. I know I probably am very tough on Billy Mitchell, but, like, he definitely has the ability to play Donkey, oh, sorry, play Pac-Man and play those these games and play them well. And here we go. This is one of, I know you are taking documentary film classes. If you want to go from one character to another, this may be the all-time greatest transition from one character to the other. And I will, I will, I'll do the exact quote here where Billy says, you know, he's sitting down and talking to us as a, on the camera. And he's like, if I've had all these good, all this good fortune, all these balls have bounced my way over the years, there's got to be some poor bastard out there who's really getting the screws put to him. Oh my god, it's so good! It's just, oh, like, what a way to introduce your next, like, your hero of the story. Like, to just, like, set his tone. Like, he, because that's exactly who Steve Weeby is. He is that. He is the poor bastard. And, oh god, they set this up so well in the documentary, too. They just... It's all about how Steve has failed and hasn't lived up to expectations and just over and over just about how Steve got knocked down. Yeah, okay, so again, for people who have never seen this, Billy Mitchell, the guy on top, he's been the king of the video game world for 20 years. Now a newcomer is going to come out of nowhere, and he's nobody anybody has ever heard of before, so they will get suspicious. But explain who Steve Wiebe is to people. Steve Wiebe is a... Very mu like very seemingly mundane guy from the other side of the coast in Washington, and he's just kind of this average Joe who wanted to make it in music, but instead is now a science teacher. And he is just he has a he's he has a wife and a family of uh, he has two kids. Uh, he's just this seemingly normal guy but when everybody talks about him when they talk to his friends to his brother to his wife they all talk about how steve doesn't feel like he's lived up to his own expectations yeah and there's really nothing about steve that stands out he's just a poor schmuck and again he's a bright guy but he's failed in almost everything in his life and he's just very unassuming not animated when he talks just the exact opposite of billy Although they point out that, like, he was always very bright. He was a good, talented musician. I think they said at one point they did a road trip from Seattle to Montana, and he banged his head in perfect 4-4 time on the window the entire way there. Oh, 
Yes, just for he th- the brother said it, he thinks for a hundred miles he must have done that. So Steve, even though even Steve's wife says, I think he might be a little autistic. He might be on the spectrum. He's really good with patterns and numbers, but like he's failed in almost everything he's ever done. He never made it as a musician. He was laid off. He really has nothing going on. So they just talk about uh, basically one day he's like he has nothing going on in his life and he had just been laid off from work. So I just decided I wanted to break a video game record. And he pulls up this website, Twin Galaxies, to see a record, and he sees Donkey Kong. And he's like, oh, okay. And he somehow gets a Donkey Kong machine in his garage, and he just starts practicing. I'm just going to break a world record, as one does. (laughs) (laughs) Break a video game record. They do never explain how he got that machine. They explain how he got the board, but they never explain how he got the machine. I can explain that a little bit if you'd like. Oh, you can? Okay, cool. Steve Wiebe is from my area of the country. He's from Redmond, Washington. I grew up in Bellevue, Washington, which is right next to it. They are our sister city. In fact, he went to Newport High School, which was our big rival. And he played baseball there, I believe. His senior year was my freshman year, so we didn't play against each other, but we would have played. But Redmond, Washington is all rich people. That's how he got the arcade. It's all rich people. Ah, bless. What a blessing. God bless rich people. Considering some of the critics' beliefs of this movie, which we'll get into later, that's kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, there's there's money floating around Redmond. That's Microsoft country. I'm guessing he was laid off from Microsoft at some point. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, I do believe, uh, just to correct you, I do believe it's the mom that says he might be slightly autistic. I believe that that's the mom who said he thought, he thought he might be autistic. But, like, yeah, it's just... Steve Steve Wiebe is really good. It was really good with his hands and really good. He plays piano. He's a good artist. He's a good drummer. Like he's always he has this talent, but he's presented as somebody who never really rose up to the talent that he had. Yeah. And he's just kind of dull. Yeah, he's just unassuming and kind of he faded into the background despite his skills and that's how he's presented in the narrative. He is Anne from Arrested Development basically. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. That's such a good comparison, too. He just plants right down and plays his video game. <laughs> oh, there you are. Yeah. So, oh, and one other thing I have to add is that Steve Wiebe was a star baseball player in high school. His dad was his coach. Apparently, in high school, they got to the state championship, and he completely flopped in front of everybody. And it, like, set this tone of failure for the rest of his life. It never got out of his head. So... As, as Billy Mitchell said, this poor guy's really had the screws put to him his entire life. And this will be the challenger that will take down his record at some point. Yep, he's just, right away, you just know, this is our hero. This is the guy who is going to challenge Billy Mitchell. And, okay, and we get a little tutorial here on Donkey Kong the game, and they talk about how hard it is. Even by video game standards, it's hard. And uh, what, what is it, uh, Steve? Weeby, who is very good at numbers and patterns, shows us. He's like got a little glass partition. He's drawing on it, showing you how you get past certain levels. You have to time certain things. And Billy Mitchell tells us, you know, most Donkey Kong games last less than a minute. It's brutality right from the start. And I can attest to that. I don't like it. It's too hard. Oh, same. I It took me forever to get through, like, more than two levels because it's just – it's Right away, you have no idea what you're doing. You have no idea. Like, you have to learn on the fly how things work. And, and and even when you learn how they work, sometimes they don't work the way you thought they did. So 
it, it is an absolute amazing, just crazy game. Yeah, so in 2004 or 5, I don't know when it happened, Steve Levy pulls up this website, says, oh, I'm going to break the Donkey Kong record, even though I failed at everything in my life. Why not? And we get lots of footage of him practicing, just sitting alone out in his garage. And now, eventually, he gets really good and really good, and surprise, he ends up breaking Billy Mitchell's record in a scene that you kind of have to see to believe. Uh, Bailey, you might want to explain this one. What's going on in the background as Steve Weeby is breaking the hallowed Donkey Kong record? Like, somewhere in, like, the 700,000 points range. Again, in a game you can't pause. I want to make sure that's known. You can't pause this game. Um, you can hear in the background of the tape as the guy who's evaluating the tape you can hear Steve, his son is running up and screaming, asking his dad to wipe his butt. (laughs) In the middle of this, of Steve Weeby running, and like he's trying to talk his son into not wiping his butt right now because he's trying to break the high score, and his son just screams, No! Donkey Kong or something to that degree. It How is that not written? How is that not written? Yeah, this is great because again, this is literally how it happened. This is the actual tape. To break a video game record, you have to videotape yourself playing the game and they can watch you send it into the referees who will judge your score. And on his tape is literally his des his son screaming, "Daddy, wipe my butt." <laughs> What a blessing for that guy to who has to watch what what like how long would that take like four hours of Donkey Kong yeah, somewhere between two and four hours to get that far so like two to four hours and to just get that little for lack of a better term nugget of <laughs> <laughs> wow we've really degraded our humor here uh, the um, the to get that little nugget of just fun. I'm sure it was a blessing in the moment. And you just wonder how much butt footage was in that whole tape. Oh my God. I can't. I, now I got to look in the reflection and see if you can see anything. Cause I'm really curious. <laughs> like, Cause Oh God. So yeah, the world record high score is the one with his son telling, see you screaming, daddy, wipe my butt. And so, but Steve breaks the record. The record was 870,000. He gets 1.006 million or something. I forget. And you know, he's like, Hey, I just broke the record. And the first million score ever that has ever been quote unquote recorded by twin galaxies. And you'd think in a normal world, that would be the end of the movie. Hey, somebody just broke a record of Donkey Kong. Cool. (laughs) <laughs> that is not because it's not the end of the movie because it's going to set off a chain reaction of controversy. Uh, this uh, <laughs> the I can't I so I don't like when I rewatched this movie today I completely forgot about this plot point and I completely forgot about this guy Mr. America was it Mr. America Mr. Awesome Roy Schilt Mr. Awesome that's it Mr. Awesome I completely forgot about this plot point and. What what else is there? Okay, to say? well, yeah, let's, really? we, we'll build up to him. There's a side character here who's even more over the top than Billy Mitchell. Okay, uh, I'll give you the short version. So Billy sent, or uh, so Steve Weeby sends in the tape that I broke Billy Mitchell's record, thinking that it's no big deal, and he sends it to Twin Galaxies, which is this arcade slash you know central repository of all arcade scores in the country, and we meet Walter Day here. 
who's this older guy, wears a referee shirt. He's the gatekeeper of all video game records in America. And he's basically explained, you need a place like this, otherwise it's chaos. You need someone to set the rules of video games. Absolutely. He's, he's the one who disturbed, he, he's the one who created Twin Galaxies and determined how this was going to work and what would need to happen to ensure that all of these scores would be fair. Now, do you know there's video game websites all over the country that all claim to have world records? Like, there's like 50 of them. Like, I know Twin Galaxies is the only one that really counts, but there's all these other websites floating around where people send in scores and claim they're the video, they're the world champions. But it's like, that's not even close to the scores on Twin Galaxies. It's, I, I'm shocked this stuff still goes on, but it does. They're, they're just... So wait, the other websites are trying to... are They're putting up scores that are quote-unquote world records, but they don't even meet the Twin Galaxy yeah, one? Yeah, they just say they're the world record. They just say, we're the, we're the repository of world records in America, and they're like, four people send in scores and think they're the video game champ. It's still going on in 2020. I... I... I feel I, I feel like Steve's wife, who didn't need to know that this universe existed, but is now just thrust into it. Oh, my God. Now, she is my wife's favorite character in this movie. My wife always like, oh, my God, she is yeah, mine, that too. That poor, oh, poor, overwhelmed wife. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> there's this, I will get it, I want to get into her, but, like, there's this perfect mix of her because she's just so supportive of Steve but she is so not interested in any of this drama at all. And it just shows. And it's so, like her character in this is so uh, what's ambivalent to all of this. And she's just trying hard not to be like, what are you all doing? She's interested in her husband's self-esteem, but that's as far as it goes. She could not give her shit about the rest. She wants her husband to succeed, but she's also just like, oh my god, who are you people? <laughs> At one point, this is the line my wife always likes, she refers to herself as the wife of the Donkey Kong guy. <laughs> she, like, even when, like, he has gotten her, like, he, like Steve Weeby has gotten his big moment, and she's still just like, oh no, please do not refer to me as the wife of the Donkey Kong guy. <laughs> Okay, so we've met Walter Day, who owns Twin Galaxies and is the head referee. And now, yeah, again, you will not believe this, that I'm describing this to you. You have to see this to believe it. We meet the muscle that <laughs> Walter Day has like an enforcer who goes around the country and enforces the rules and made sure that everything is on the up and up. This guy, Robert Rucksack, he's like the muscle of Twin Galaxies. This is the... Sorry, I'm bad with names. This is the guy that watches the tape. Yeah, he right? watches every single video game tape that has ever been comes in, and he asks, like, this is like what he does for a full time job. I'm pretty sure. He sits in his room with it with his tapes and watches games happen, and he can't look away because he needs to make sure that there's no discrepancies, there's no edits, there's no tricks or anything that would be show like a tampered with game it needs to be classic so he will sit and watch these for four hours like and he talks about how he has like 20 boxes of tapes yeah who i mean the people that are still sending in these video game records all the time and again this guy has to watch all them and i feel bad for him in a sense but like he does take it very seriously and this is the world that steve weeby will be thrust into that he's not aware exists where they're going to start challenging his score because they don't know him yet almost like in a mob way they start challenging him and challenging his score okay but here's the bigger 
quest problem is that Billy Mitchell set all these classic records, and in 2005 or whatever, he only had two left, Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., and Steve Wiebe breaks both of them. So these are the last of Billy's classic records to fall, and that is a big deal because all of a sudden the legend of video games is no longer in the record books at all, and we cut to Billy, and everyone's like, uh... Billy would never surrender. There's no way Billy would allow for this. And from here on out, it's a big controversy as Billy helps or leads the charge to get that score uh, canceled out and, and uh, disqualified. They go through like one of my favorite uh, lines from Steve's wife is about how he like two men came to look at the gaming machine and he, she tells them you have to wait for Steve to get home. And instead they just go right into her garage and just start poking and prodding around the machine. They don't even care. Yes, the muscle, the muscle of twin galaxy, these, total nerds again i i'm a nerd myself i get it but these guys are hardcore nerds storm into the house and start investigating steve's machine while he's not there and this is where we meet the character that Bray bailey was talking about the other billy mitchell <laughs> his name is roy schilt mr awesome and apparently he's like blood rivals with billy mitchell they've hated each other for years they've sent death threats to each other restraining orders restraining orders yeah there's restraining orders over video games and they find out that this Mr. Awesome guy has sent a motherboard to Steve Wiebe to use in his machine. And the minute they see that Mr. Awesome is involved, uh-oh, that we cannot validate the score anymore. It's tainted. Oh, my God. And, like, I have to just say, because I forgot about this, my favorite – one of my – I think one of my favorite shady editing moments in this documentary is when they take the Mr. Awesome video and then they just put self-produced under it. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Like, where he's talking about how to, he's like trying to teach guys how to pick up girls and not be quote like wasn't it like saddled bastards or something <laughs> like that? Like it, it, it's incredible. It, it's just like it is. It is a less successful Billy Mitchell. It is a black sheep Billy Mitchell. Yeah, he's again this guy, Mister Awesome, has been trying to become a video game celebrity for years. He is the Missile Command record holder, and he's very upset that the Missile Command record holder does not hold the same level of prestige as the Donkey Kong record holder in 2005. <laughs> he has like a 25 second rant about how he's angry that he didn't end up on the. Uh... Uh, on the Tonight Show, and he wants to just quote unquote be a star for a day. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, Mister Awesome is the the key variable here. Is that he knows Steve Weeby's really good at Donkey Kong. This Mister Awesome guy bought him a new motherboard because Steve needed a new one, and they put the motherboard in the machine. And the Twin Galaxies crew, all Billy's posse agree that this was made in bad faith. This was not really a world record attempt. This was Mr. Awesome trying to embarrass Billy Mitchell and steal his fame. And so they will not accept Steve Wiebe's record because it came from Mr. Awesome. Exactly. And they, that they basically just say, you need to come in person to set this score if you wanted to count. <laughs> yeah. So Steve Wiebe, the chump who life craps on his head all the time, Life craps on his head here. They take away his world record. They say, this was made in bad faith. We cannot prove that this motherboard was not t tampered with. So they are, it's like Steve Wiebe's record goes into the, the world record on the website. It gets taken away, and he has nothing again. Billy Mitchell has the record again. And again, Billy Mitchell was one of the people investigating the score, if I recall. He was. He was on the board of the people that were looking into it. And he had very huge influence in that. And it's just like, what are you... <laughs> 
Like they mentioned this in the documentary. Like, do you think that might be a little bit of a conflict of interest there? <laughs> and again, I would love to know the truth of exactly what went down. I know it didn't go down exactly like this in real life. And I know Billy Mitchell and Walter Day have squawked that it's really presented unfairly. But all I know is that Steve Weeby has the score and then he doesn't. And that's really where we are in the narrative here. Absolutely. Okay. And the gamers, who is Billy Mitchell and his old posse, have some advice for this new guy, Steve Wiebe. They're like, you know, if you want to break the record, you have to do it somewhere live. Like there's an arcade out in New Hampshire called Fun Spot. We have a tournament every year. That's where you have to do it. Do it live in person and nobody can challenge your score. And Steve Wiebe says, no, I'm not going to do it. But luckily, Bailey, he's encouraged by who's the one who encourages him to go out there and fight this? His friend. His friend is the one that he actually flies him out to go and like go out and set this score. Yeah, Steve Weeby's friends encourage him to go out there and don't be a chump. And once again, Mr. Awesome, the evil Billy Mitchell, also encourages him. What does he say? He says, "Don't let them or don't chumpatize yourself." <laughs> yes. Go fight this. So Steve Wiebe is going to go to New Hampshire. Go out to rural New Hampshire and don't make a fool of yourself. And here we go. This is why my brother wanted me to see this movie, because my brother and I love The Karate Kid. It's our favorite movie. And we love that. You're the best around montage. You know that one, right? Oh, yes. Well, yes, yes. I've seen The Karate Kid. Hey, everybody, guess what song they use in this movie to set up the big video game tournament? They play You're the Best Around. You're the best around. As Steve Wiebe and the nerds of America gather in New Hampshire for the big video game tournament. As Steve Wiebe is drawing on with a white pen on the monitor of the game to track patterns. Like that is our that that is our workout, quote unquote workout montage, is that. <laughs> so, so we're gonna meet some other side characters here. This is my personal favorite guy in the movie, Brian Koo. Oh my gosh, this guy Brian is amazing. Billy's flunky. Billy's right-hand man. And again, I'm sure he's a real nice guy in real life. I don't want to disparage him too much. But boy, in the movie, is this guy a little pain. Oh, he is... He is the little brother version who calls himself the future prodigy of Donkey Kong after Billy Mitchell. He talks about in full regalia about how excited he is to one day reach a Donkey Kong kill screen to finish the game, to set a record. Like he wants, he, he idolizes Billy to the point that he wants to be Billy. Yeah. He is the number two Donkey Kong player in the world. He's nowhere near Billy, but he's the number two. And he's been, he says he's been practicing Donkey Kong every day of his life. And he still is nowhere near Billy and he's still working at it. And so when the Steve Wiebe guy shows up, Brian Koo is so threatened by this guy that he basically just follows him around and reports to Billy on the phone, you know, Wiebe's getting a snack at the snack bar. You know, Wiebe just put a quarter on the machine. Like he's literally spying on Steve Wiebe for Billy Mitchell. <laughs> he is doing a stakeout on Steve Wiebe's uh, existence in Fun Spot in an arcade just because of how much of a threat he is. And here comes one, probably the most prominent subplot in this movie is that Steve Wiebe wants to challenge Billy Mitchell head to head because that's the big thing. You must play video games in person to prove yourself. And the entire rest of the movie is Wiebe showing up and Billy Mitchell ducking it because he will not deign to challenge this guy in person. I'm like, 
my favorite part is this first call. He calls Billy Mitchell and he talks like he talks to him on the phone and you say he ch- like Steve talks about how he's going to challenge him and then he gets on the phone and he's like Hello Billy, I hope this message finds you well. My name is Steve Weeby and I was like, you know, thinking that we could like play at fun spot together and like have a do have a good little fun challenge like just for some fun competition like it's not a challenge at all it's like a invitation to just be like hey you want to have a fun time do you want to come to a picnic afterwards with me like it's it is so not threatening meanwhile we'll we'll cut to billy mitchell and he's saying stuff like you know after i step on my opponent's head i like to rip out their spine and then we cut to Weeby. He's like, hey, buddy. Hey, want to hang out with me? Like, it's, it's such a discrepancy between these two people. It's hilarious. It's like, it, it, it's like the editing is there, but it's also just like, it works. It works so well because you have one guy who's saying he's going to step on his competition and then doesn't show up. And then another guy who's just like, hey, let's have fun and does show up. Like, how do you not create a hero and a villain out of that narrative? It's so great. And again, I have no idea what these guys are like in real life. But, this, yeah, the story is so compelling because Weeby will continually beg, practically beg for Billy to show up. And Billy will just play mind games with him. <laughs> it's a video game record. Remember, this is a video game that nobody cares about. But it's like life and death to these two. I almost would say it's life and death to Billy. Like, it is... And again, halfway point to remind, we're talking about the video game characters here. I don't know these people in real life, and I don't know how they interacted during this time. But the way that they're presented in the documentary, it's basically just like Billy talking about how bad he wants to keep, like, crush his opponents, and then he doesn't show at all. (laughs) Okay, so Steve Wiebe has gone out to New Hampshire to play at this place, Fun Spot, that this is considered the mecca of all video games in America, and they have a Donkey Kong machine there that is so well-known that people say it's possessed, it's evil. (laughs) They literally say... Also, I have to just say, during um, during that montage at Fun Spot, it has that break where that one guy gets frustrated at a gate with a game and he throws his stuff into his bag and slams his trunk in the middle of it. It's such a good comedic edit. I, I just love this whole montage. And there's another montage later that's almost as good. But yeah, this you're the best around. And Weeby shows up in New Hampshire and he's trying his best and he's quickly swarmed by everybody in the Twin Galaxies world and the little posse. They want to know who this new guy is. We've never heard of him. He's like, this guy from the West Coast. And I love that they never get his name right. He'll be Weeb the rest of the movie. Just Weeb. Weeb, Weeb, Weeb. Steve Weeb. Weeb. Like, and it's great because, like, in... Like, again, an unedited clip. Walter Day the seems like the first time he's seen Steve Wiebe walks up, says, hi, how are you doing? And then right after is like, have you talked to Mr. Awesome lately? <laughs> like, like, as if, like, interrogating him on whether he's, like, going to pull another fast one that could be against Twin Galaxies. Yeah. Are you a friend or an enemy? Are you with me or against me? Are you with us or are you with the enemy again? Like, it's, again, unedited. This is a totally unedited clip. 
<laughs> okay, so there's two plots that are going to happen simultaneously here that Steve Wiebe is going to break the world record in person. He will do something that is non-disputable. He will break Billy's record. Well, Billy's not here, but all his minions and flunkies are. But as he's doing this, Billy has a, another trick up his sleeve that he has apparently broken the record himself many years ago and recorded it, and he sends it up to New Hampshire with one of his prodigies, this old lady named Doris, who's there to break the Qbert record. Doris is amazing, because I'm just like, oh my god, she is... She's a pack mule for this thing that's going to destroy Weeby's uh, Weeby's record. And she just does it with all smiles. She's just so happy. She's like, yay, let's do it. <laughs> Billy has minions to deliver packages for him. And again, it's like a mob movie. This is people are battling over video game scores that Billy has in secret recorded a new secret record. He sends it up to New Hampshire. So we get this great scene where... Steve Wiebe and Brian Koo, the number two Donkey Kong guy, playing back and forth and alternating. And it pains Brian Koo so badly because Steve is so much better than him. And you can see the life being sucked out of his eyes as he sees Steve is going to break Billy Mitchell's record. And the best part is, um, so the, the, great, like the thing that the, not only did Steve Wiebe break his record, but it was the first time that a kill screen had been garnered on that machine. And... The moment that it happens, and they pan to Brian, who just goes, Steve Weeby just broke the record and reached the kill screen. They hold it for five seconds as you just watch Brian die inside. Like, he knows he will never be the person who, bro who was able to obtain that record. And the thing that he's been working for, for years, apparently every day, is now gone. Yeah, for people who don't know, we just threw out a term, kill screen. Kill screen in these old classic video games is where the machine runs out of memory. And so in Donkey Kong on the 26th level, the game just stops. So Steve Wiebe becomes the first person in public to reach the kill screen, and Brian Koo thought that would be him. And you have to watch his reaction as Steve does it right in front of him on basically his first try. And Brian Koo cannot believe this guy did it. Oh my god, he watches Dynasty's Rise and Fall and like emperors pass and he's just standing there watching the wreckage and he's like oh my god my life is over he just it the, you can watch his soul and all of his drive leave his body it is amazing and what's even better is the build-up to that is brian Koo sees that weeby is going to break the record and get to the kill screen and he starts playing mind games with him he starts doing a press conference right in front of Steve's live game. Well, right behind me, we got a, you know, a, a kill screen. He might do it. He might not. This game's very tough. It's very evil. It's an evil machine. And like, he's literally, you don't play mind games when somebody's trying to break a record on that kind of, like that high a level of video game. But like, Koo is trying to mess with him and it doesn't work. Weeby still breaks it. And he also goes, and it's great because he goes out of his way to go around Fun Spot and say, hey, a Donkey Kong kill screen is coming up. I'm sure at, like what seems like what is presented as an intimidation tactic to like have an audience so it freaks Steve Weeby out. But then it just has more people to bear witness to how he will never be able to obtain what Steve Weeby obtained. And, of course, the thing that always makes me laugh, Brian Koo on the phone with Billy Mitchell. Billy's down in Florida. He's many states away, and Brian Koo is keeping him updated every 100,000 points. 
Steve just got past this level. Steve just got to this level. And Billy's very intense. He wants to know what Steve's doing. But Billy cannot be there in person, so he has to have his spies do it for him. And he's, like, in an abandoned... He's in an abandoned clown-themed cafeteria, just, like, on a payphone, like, just, like, yeah, he reached 400,000 points. Like... Oh no, he's now at 500,000. They show him going, and he's climbing floors to also inform Billy of what's going on. (laughs) Okay, but yeah, so this is the thing. So Steve Wiebe will break the record in front of everybody. They cannot dispute his score, but the record's only going to stand for about an hour and a half because Billy has sent in this tape that will completely cock block him. (laughs) Billy's like, oh, by the way, here's the score that I just beat your score. (laughs) He... Apparently, he has had this tape ready to go for years, and suddenly, just it gets brought up right now, and it gets set up in the arcade so that everybody can watch while Steve Wiebe is trying to go for a million again. (laughs) Because he doesn't get a million the first time. He gets like 970,000 or something. So he's trying to go for that million and while they, they keep cutting back and forth to everyone watching while Steve Wiebe is still playing. It's the saddest thing. Steve is trying his best to break into this world he's not a part of, and they're just ignoring him because Billy has sent in a tape. And, like, literally when they pull out this tape that Billy's mailed them with this old woman, they pull it out, and they're all like, ooh, ah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the little aliens in Toy Story with the claw. <laughs> and Walter Day, the supposed neutral referee, is like, ooh, He's like, the long arm of Billy Mitchell strikes again. Like, it's so stacked against Weeby. There's no way he can beat these people. Also, just side note, if you want to see it, you want to see what it looks like, people watching a TV that's on its side, that, that this, is the, this is the movie. It is so weirdly, amazingly pathetic to just watch these guys just watching this TV screen turn sideways just watching this game happen. So everybody in the competitive video game world gathers around to watch Billy Mitchell break Steve Wiebe's one hour old record as Wiebe's in the background, not being allowed to watch. And like they are, they're on the phone. Koo is on the phone with Billy Mitchell saying, Billy's like, what's their reaction? What's their reaction? Tell me what everyone's doing. And this is where he drops the quote. Not even Helen of Troy had this much attention. Um, which I, which is now going to be said at every social event until I get disinvited from every social event. I am so excited. It's, it's just incredible. They have all of these, like they have Brian who was just narrating how many ways Steve Wiebe could screw up this game. They're now, he's now sitting here being like, oh my God. Oh my God! Everyone, like you could hear a pin drop. They're they're all just focused. They're all excited to see a million. Like it. <laughs> what is this movie, man? What is this movie? It's incredible. I honestly cannot believe he's not fapping. He doesn't just whip it out right there. He's so excited. Coo. <laughs> honestly, if he didn't have the cameras on him, I, I mm, you know, jury's out. Jury is out. I <laughs> I don't know. We can't talk in hypotheticals. But we can't talk in unhypotheticals either, so... He was very excited. Let's just leave it at that. 
He was very happy with all of the attention that he was continuing to get. So Billy Mitchell has sent in this tape from abroad. He's controlled the narrative from five states away or whatever. I don't know how far it is. But all of a sudden, Billy Mitchell gets 1.047 million. And because he's Billy Mitchell, they instantly accept his score because, yeah, because he is above reproach. And, like, if you want to talk about, I know I said the shady editing in the Mr. Amer- uh, sorry, Mr. Awesome was the best one. But if you want to talk about shady editing, this is the best one. The They keep cutting back and forth between the clip of, like, the, the high score being garnered and then the guy, the muscle, talking about all of the things that would tip off a fake score um, being submitted via video. They talk, like, he's like, yeah, if we saw weird glitches in the video, then we would, pro- like, that That could be a red flag. And then they have Walter Day being like, there were weird glitches in the video. How do you explain that? And they're like, it was something about it being a newer a game. Copy. or a, it was a copy oh, was of a, a copy. Sorry, it was a copy of the recording. That's it. Or, like, if there's weird glitches and it shows, like, a weird glitch that happens right as he hits one million. Like, it's, it's they, the again, who knows what's true, but the editing in this shows it off as you guys are not keeping up with your own judging. Definitely. I could see why Twin Galaxies would have a problem with this scene in particular, because they really make the whole video game industry look really bad here. <laughs> Especially, like, the people that consider, like, that they are seen as the official... Uh, official category of record holders and now suddenly like they're all getting undermined because of this tape yeah and again the uh the, the filmmakers do another little dick move here where they have a guy saying you know when someone sends in a tape it takes weeks to verify it and make sure it's authentic and then the little narrative on the screen says 10 minutes later and walter day's like i'm gonna update the website billy mitchell's the champion again He's and he's reached what the he is the first recorded person to reach one million and they're just re, they just decide right then ten minutes go for it it's live and once again Walter Day never fawning enough about Billy says Billy is a Jedi he Obi Wan Kenobi's people and he even brags he's like you know most people would say you have to see me play in person but Billy says you don't have to see me play in person and Walter Day today is like isn't it awesome he just gets away with that. <laughs> it's like if only there was a referee who could who could keep this whole place monitored huh what a thought yes so steve weeby is completely cock blocked they blue ball and there's no way he's going to be allowed to have that record and to, and they they won't even let him look at the tape like to add insult to injury he's like hey can i see billy's award-winning tape and brian Koo could not be more excited to explain to him oh no it was one viewing one play only that's it now we destroy it you'll never see it you will never be able to watch it. And apparently the tape's now online. Who would have thought? <laughs> but like, oh my God. Like just see, if you want to talk about people like Steve, it's just the narrative of Steve Weeby getting knocked down again and again. Like they don't, the narrative just see, just shows it as like this guy can't win. 
there is no way that this guy will be able yeah. to win. And again, you'd think the movie would be over here because Steve Wiebe has broken the record twice, failed to get it both times. Now, Billy has the number one record. Steve is two. Billy's old one is now number three. And again, the movie should be over. But guess what? Steve will get one last chance at revenge because there's a third act here. One more try, which is nine months later. <laughs> Okay, so what happens if people don't remember or haven't seen this yet? Uh, the Guinness Book of World Records decides nine months later they want to do an edition in their new book of classic video games, and they call Walter Day, and they say, give us some high scores to put in the book. And Walter's like, well, I could give you these, but we have a lot of guys that still play. What if we put together a tournament, and anybody who breaks this during the tournament becomes the Guinness Book of World Record holder? And so Walter Day puts together this whole tournament in Billy's hometown of Hollywood, Florida, I should add, and invites all classic video gamers to come there and basically prove that they're the best of the best. And so Steve Wiebe now gets a last chance to beat Billy Mitchell. They And the best part is, like, they present Steve Wiebe as, like, I've moved on, I'm done, It's it, it happened, it sucks, but I... It, um. Steve's wife go is like, yeah, this is, I don't understand. Like if this is the, Oh, this is also the part that I love about Steve's wife is how he, she moves on from not really caring to now suddenly judging everything Billy Mitchell does. Like she's like, they wanted Steve Weeby to make that score in person. But then the moment that uh, he makes it in person, Billy Mitchell just gets to send in a tape. What does that mean? Like it's, it's uh and so but the moment that Steve Wiebe hears from the producers that they are allowing they're allowing Twin Galaxy scores as the official uh surveyor of video game world records he's like let's go let's get in it it's so adorable the Steve Wiebe reaction here they're like you know there's a big tournament now and you get a chance to face Billy Mitchell one on one and Wiebe kind of looks yeah he looks at the camera he's like is that true? Is that accurate? And he gets this little smile because like Weeby knows he can beat Billy Mitchell in person. Oh God. And it's just like, it's so funny how he just turned so quickly. He was like, Oh really? Cool. Let's go. Let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> and again, we had the karate kid montage of uh, you're the best around. Now we get the other montage where Weeby starts training to go out there and take down Billy Mitchell for good. The eye of the tiger montage straight from Rocky three. <laughs> uh, just it, 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 you, if you think this movie isn't campy enough it just gets campier it's like just having eye of the tiger play as billy as sorry as steve Weeby just continues to practice the game and play as his son sits on the stoop adorable amazing Here's a quote that I love. I will probably use this as the stinger at the end of this episode where Steve's in school and he's explaining, you know, I get another chance to go out and break this record. And one of his kids in class goes, when are you going to kick that guy's ass? And Steve's like, hey, we don't use that kind of language, but soon. We don't use that kind of language, but soon. And so we get this huge rivalry. They're going to meet head to head for the first time. I've been built up through this whole movie. And it's like, it's this huge thing. I cannot be like, you would not believe how invested you're going to get in the story. These two guys fighting over a video game. And Walter Day even says, this is like the Yankees versus Red Sox all over again. Billy Mitchell against Steve Weeb. <laughs> you're, in, 
you are just enthralled. And oh, also the bat, like he also does another call to challenge Billy Mitchell in his hometown. And this time it's not nice. It's like, hey, I want to beat you. <laughs> Let's play head-to-head and settle this once and for all. And, of course, there's one subplot here that Billy says he's nervous to show up in person for a live video game event because, again, there's this other guy, Mr. Awesome, who Billy is afraid is going to kill him over the Missile Command score. So Billy's worried for his life that perhaps he doesn't want to show up. So it will become, for the last half hour of this movie, will he or won't he, will Billy show up to defend his honor? Will he show up and accept the challenge to prove that he is the he is the Donkey Kong master. That is the whole setup of this movie at for this final act. Yeah, and the the Weeby family they all fly out to Florida. He brings his kids and his wife, and and his daughter has a great quote. Do you remember this quote in the car? Oh God! Oh, what was it? I I remember laughing at this so hard. What was it again? Okay, he's got a little girl in his car. They're driving to this video game tournament. She's like eight or nine. I don't know how old, and she's like. I didn't know video games were so important. I didn't know this was such a big deal. And Steve's like, well, they are to some people, honey. And she's like, some people ruin their lives to be in there. It's like, yeah, the Guinness Book. Yeah, some people ruin their lives to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. And then it, like, doesn't it just, like, hard cut to Billy? Yeah, just hard cut to Billy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get to the end of this movie. And the whole rest of the end of the movie is in Hollywood, Florida, this video game tournament. And they've set it up for a Donkey Kong machine with Billy Mitchell and Steve Weeby's names on it, expecting they'll both show up, and Weeby shows there early, and Billy will not show up. Billy, the villain, will not show up and defend his title in person. But again, all of Billy's minions are there spying on him and reporting back to Billy what Steve's doing the entire four days of the tournament. Can you remind me what the the blonde guy there is? like the Steve Sanders. Thank you, Steve Sanders. Steve Sanders literally gets dropped off by billy mitchell in this movie he doesn't like he shows up to spy on him billy mitchell is there but he doesn't show and instead he just drops off his minion from the passenger seat yeah yeah that's one of my favorites again the producers just putting in little jokes they know how funny this is that everyone keeps saying oh billy can't show up he's too busy billy can't show up and literally billy would just drive right by them in the background and the producers just put in the on the screen billy drives by Walter Day also just literally asked, was that Billy who dropped you off? And he's like, yeah, it is. It totally is. So Billy, always a man man of gamesmanship, will not go in and play one-on-one against this newcomer who he has no respect for. And Steve Wiebe, just this obedient little lapdog, is trying his best. And this is where we get the scene that I always remember, the uh, everybody knows montage. Oh, yes, yes. Please, please, uh, please go through this. Okay. Who sings that song? Is that Leonard Cohen? I think. I, off the top of my head, I didn't look it up. But there's a song. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. Stay poor, the rich get rich. That's how it goes. 
It's just scene after scene of Steve Weeby sitting there, trying his best, practicing Donkey Kong, waiting for Billy to show up, and Billy will not show up. And we see Billy smirking at his restaurant and laughing behind his back and, like, talking to his friends, showing up at dinner. But he will not come to this arcade to play against Weeby. And so it's this whole montage that... Again, it's you have to see it to believe it, but the song fits so perfectly because the lyrics of the song are basically, this game is rigged, you were never going to win, you're a fool for even trying. And I, and I mean, it really is exemplified by the fact that on the arcade machine, that Steve Wiebe is playing, Billy Mitchell's score covers up like half of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like a full juxtaposition of how Billy Mitchell overshadows Steve Weeby. And of course, another great Billy Mitchell quote where he looks at the camera and says, maybe they'd like it if I lose. I got to try losing sometime. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you, how do you say shady editing at all when you have quotes like that in there fully? Like, you know, you have to know you're going to be the villain of this story when you say things like that. I really hope Billy Mitchell at least appreciates this movie on some level because it it really enforces the or reinforces the legend of Billy Mitchell. So, again, I know even though a lot of it's edited to make him look worse, I really hope he steers into the curve a little and appreciates what they did with him. Because, again, if he's dropping quotes like that, he has to know what they're going to do with it. Yeah, you have to like you have to know how they're going to edit it and show it. You are the top dog, and you are just shit talking this person who is not in the twin galaxies orbit trying to get in. Like I don't understand how you could not see that as potentially like ooh they could probably take that quote and really make me look like an a hole here. Yeah, okay, <laughs> but here's the moment that will forever cement Billy as an a hole to most people. And again, I don't know if this is edited out of context, but it's so perfect for this movie. Is like there's four minutes left in the movie. Weeby's been playing and playing and trying to impress everyone, and no one respects him because he's not Billy Mitchell. And Billy Mitchell actually shows up in the arcade on like the third day of the tournament. Explain this scene to people. This one's like a gut punch. It's so horrible. They they shot this so well. Like and remember, this is the first and the only time that Steve Wiebe and Billy Mitchell will ever be in the same frame of footage ever. This is the only scene that they share together. And it's Steve Wiebe playing on the like video game system as Billy Mitchell and his wife walk in on like the, either the third or the, I think it's the second to last night, second to last night that they, he, uh, Steve Wiebe can make this record. Billy Mitchell just walks in and walks behind and surveys. And he says to his wife, I don't need to talk to some people here. Right as he walks by. The one time our two main characters meet in the movie, Steve, Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Life Craps on his head, sees Billy walking right behind him as Steve's playing video games. And Steve actually turns to say hi. He's like, oh, hey, Billy. And Billy won't even acknowledge him. Billy won't even say hi. He just says his wife to his wife, there's certain people I don't want to spend too much time with. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? As, as Buster would say on Arrested Development, oh, now I know what it's like to get punched in the face. <laughs> oh, God. And the, the fact, like, this is, I can't, I can only imagine 
Because I feel like, and I don't know anything about this, but I have to imagine the producers were just like, this is the end of our documentary and you guys need to meet at least once. Like, y'all need to be in the same frame at least once. Please come down, even if it's just to do a quick <laughs> walkthrough. Like, like, cause they're, cause he just literally shows up and leaves. He does nothing. He doesn't play a game. He doesn't even talk to Steve Weeby. He just, Comes in, scoffs, and leaves. He does a little meet and greet with everybody who likes Billy. Like all of, yeah, he's there for a second. He's like waving and talking to people, but he will would not even acknowledge Steve Weeby. Yeah, and this is after like Walter Day is like, you have no ex like Walter Day who like, loves Billy is like, you have no excuse to be down here, not to, not be down here right now, and <laughs> or um. I also love when Steve Weeby comes and eats lunch at Billy's restaurant while all the uh, video game guys are there when they were when he wasn't invited. Yeah. And they call Billy. Uh, this was uh, not expected, but Steve Weeb has showed up unannounced and uninvited, frankly, at your restaurant, Billy. <laughs> and Billy ducks out of the back so Steve can't. It's just, it's so disrespectful that's the word i've heard people say man i just want to punch billy after watching that movie and again remind people it's all just a documentary it's shown for narrative effect but man it's an effective story you get so wrapped up in it it's awesome it is an effective narrative that you will buy into 100 percent, regardless of whether or not you know it's edited like you you will love every moment of it and of course the hit piece on billy continues where they cut to his wife now where they'll show a little interview where Billy says, you know, video games are meant to be played live, in person, on demand. You have to succeed under pressure or it's not a legitimate record. And then they cut to his wife and the producer asks her, have you ever seen Billy play a live video game? And she's like, no, never. Billy would never compete live. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You weren't supposed to say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. So. Steve Weeby, we get more of the everybody knows the game is fixed montage. Weeb just sits there, and again, you can little picture the little rain cloud over his head raining just on him as nothing happens to him. And he sits there, he tries for four days, and he finally fails. He does not break the record. And although, in his defense, even Walter Day and the other players are kind of cheering him on now. They're like, this guy's a trooper. He's really trying, and it's just not going to work for him. But they start to respect his resolve by the end. Yeah, they they really they really they seem to have a coming around arc, especially Walter Day kind of becomes more of a I think he I think it seems like in the process of the movie, he becomes more of a fan of Steve than he does of Billy. Like he really grows to respect Steve and what he is trying to do and how he has tried to succeed, despite the fact that his organization has exceedingly gotten in the way of that. Yes, and Walter does have a wonderful Darth Vader-like redemption arc here at the end where he finally, after four days, Steve Weeby has failed to break the record and he's like in tears. And he even says, you know, this is about more than Donkey Kong now. I'm just, I just want to be recognized. I just want them to accept me. And his wife cries. She's like, you know, my, my husband's too nice. He, he, he just gets steamrolled. And at the end of the movie, Walter Day finally acknowledges that Steve Weeby is a a trusted member of Twin Galaxies, and you can send in tape scores anytime you want. Even though you didn't break the record, we still love you. And he actually pronounces Steve's name right for the first time all movie. He calls him Weeby, not Steve Weeb. Uh, Walter Day, what a wonderful person. I, like, just... What a good arc for him. Thank God. I'm glad he finally came around. He does, and it's very heartwarming at the end. Even though Steve Weeb fails and does not break the record, gets crapped on, 
at the end of the movie, he gets a letter from Walter Day, basically says, you know, Steve's like, you know, I tried my best. I was against all these people that would never let me be a part of them. I did my best. I failed. But Walter Day sends him a letter that says, you know, you can send in taped scores anytime. We love you. Uh, I apologize. Walter Day even says, I apologize for any problems or controversy we caused you. I feel bad about that now. Please accept my apologies. So at the end of the movie, Steve is accepted by everybody but Billy Mitchell. And, he, and that could probably continues to this day. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Although, do you remember the last interview with Billy in this movie? It's so perfect. Oh, God, it's just with Steve Sanders trying to justify Steve Wiebe and say, like, you know, it's still honorable that he showed up. Yeah, OK, here's the exact quote. Steve Sanders and Billy Mitchell are sitting in a booth at Billy's bar. And again, Billy has ducked this competitor the entire movie. He's bad-mouthed him. He's cheated. He's just schemed. He's just been a jerk. And Steve Sanders says, you know, I like this Steve Wiebe guy. He's not bad. He has, I, I, he has the utmost integrity. He's proven himself. I really like the guy. And we cut over to Billy Mitchell for a quote on Steve Wiebe. And Billy just says, I'm not familiar enough with the situation. <laughs> how, I, that is, how is that talking about a person at all? I never heard of him. I don't know him. Like, like I, I'm not familiar enough with the situation. You're not familiar with the situation that is Steve Wiebe's existence. Like, you can't even say anything nice to him in the final moments of a documentary about you. It's so perfect. <laughs> it's it's just, it's a perfect end. Like, it's just, it's just Billy Mitchell is going to be Billy Mitchell, and he's always going to go for this moment. He's always going to go for his being him being the top dog as portrayed by the documentary yep. he is always going to be the famed german pilot that's on a level above everybody else because billy mitchell always wins <laughs> exactly <laughs> and okay now depending on the version of the movie you see there's different endings here because they have to tack on a little epilogue i have seen two different versions and there may be a third one that at the end of the movie billy mitchell reigns supreme steve weeby is lost again but after the movie came out, Steve Wiebe ended up breaking the score, right? Yes. So they the record stood for a little while afterwards, but then Steve Wiebe came back and he I don't remember if he broke it on an actual machine in like a certified zone, but I do know like he did eventually break Billy Mitchell's record in the epilogue. Okay. Yeah, that's one of the versions I have seen has that. One has Billy winning it back or something. But now it'll, it'll date this podcast. I don't know when people are going to listen to this. But at the moment we're recording this, I don't think Steve or Billy hold the record anymore. This new guy owns the record. Hank, is it Hank Chen, I think? I look this up and it's not Hank Chen. It's somebody else. But the, oh, do I have it up? I do. Um, John, uh, John McCurdy is currently the top ranking on twin galaxies okay so a lot has happened since this movie yes uh steve weeb was oh, wow oops <laughs> i walter dade myself um steve weeby is currently 14th oh wow <laughs> yeah he fell he fell well it's funny because i remember when we all watched this documentary and then when my class looked it up later it literally said if you are coming here because you watched King of Kong because of the popularity of this movie. 
it has caused an uptick in Donkey Kong scores, which means both Steve and Billy have both fallen from the leaderboard. Like the exit, like the fact that they were so Billy Mitchell wanted, like, sorry, they wanted a documentary about this process so bad. It led to the downfalls of both Billy and Steve. Now I have to ask, does Mr. Awesome still hold the missile command score? I don't know. I don't, I did not okay, look that I don't want to start another fight between Mr. Awesome. So let's just assume he holds the record. Yeah, let's just let's just go off that. It's fine. It's fine. I know I did say in the epilogue that he was that I watched. He was trying to still get that score recognized. Uh, but who knows when I watched the YouTube version that was available on here. So I have no idea what um, whether how current that is. Okay, yeah, and that's the one thing we want to get across to people, that a lot has happened since this movie. Again, the movie drew so much attention to these video game records that all hell has broken loose in the community since then. It was just kind of a quaint little thing, a smallish society up to 2007. Since then, way more has happened, including, and I guess I'll let you bring this one up, Billy Mitchell has fallen under some scrutiny. Oh, Billy Mitchell has fallen from grace fully. All of his million scores have been uh, axed because Twin Galaxies, which is under new management, it's not under Walter Day's management, uh, have decided that his scores read as uh, being used by... It used functions that make it a not valid score for the tier that Billy Mitchell was in. Uh, it used a certain processing server that I had the tab open and now I can't find it. I am pretty I sure. Have... I, well, I think they're talking about the MAME emulator. Yeah, that's it. Yes, the MAME emulator. That's okay, for it. people, most people probably don't know what that is. A MAME emulator is a thing you can download on your computer. It's the multi-arcade machine emulator. It emulates the motherboard of classic video games. And if you have the ROM, you can play any classic video game on your home computer anytime you want. It's technically illegal. You're supposed to own the ROMs, but I know most, I know many people that own that play it. But it is not the official motherboard recognized by classic video gamers. So on MAME, on MAME, you can change a lot of the parameters and stuff to tweak the game. That's what they're worried about. Yeah. And you, um, for MAME, they do have, like, they do have scoreboards for this version of the game, but it's a separate category. Mm -hmm. The category that the million scores. In, uh, in question were put in for were for a classic game. But the Twin Galaxies is saying that those were memes, so they don't count for that spot. Okay, yeah, and, and to, to clarify it for people a little bit, MAME is the exact same game. There's just ways to tweak it that they can't police. So that's why anything that's done on a MAME emulator is banned. Billy was eventually caught for using a MAME emulator to set these records. And he's basically banned from competitive video gaming for life at this point, right? Yeah, and he sued. He, he has sued Twin Galaxies now for defamation. Wow. For, I think it was $10 million. That's a lot of hot sauce you can buy with that. Yeah. Yeah, and this is this was what we referenced earlier. Uh, a, another guy who basically broke down what Twin Galaxies, um, what Twin Galaxies is saying happened to Billy Mitchell, just giving the fat, like giving the evidence that was presented, also is being sued for one million. Like it's 
Billy Mitchell went on a uh, suing spree for this uh, for this uh, game, and it's c- c- amazing. I want to uh, give the creator shout out for that. Apollo Legend is his name on uh, YouTube. He is being sued by Billy Mitchell, be- and like I think they have footage of him meeting Billy Mitchell and wearing a Billy, Billy Mitchell costume. <laughs> And he's being sued by him now. Well, this is where I need to put in an important disclaimer that we at Staff Picks love Billy Mitchell. And he is a fine human being, a true American, and I'm sure he is also a skilled lover. Yes, USA, USA. And I'm sure that he uses uh, seven different types of shampoo to get those luscious locks. (laughs) Like, there's no... That gleaming hair, there's no way that gleaming hair could exist otherwise. Again, I love this movie, but Billy to me is the star, and I feel bad that it somehow brought down his empire, although I suspect it really hasn't changed his empire. He's still probably even more famous nowadays, even if he lost his video game records. So, like, I think it sucks, whatever happened to him, but, again, whatever happened, happened, but I still think he is a legend, and he's one of the most compelling people I have ever seen in a documentary, bar none. Absolutely. And the it's all all of the past like past stuff aside, Billy Mitchell is just presented as one of the most iconic villains of all time. Like it's he gives so many great lines and great stuff that just make you hate him, but in a likable way, like you love him so much you want to see him fail (laughs) because it's just he he hams it up so hard and just you know that he's hamming it up but you don't care like it's it's a ham sandwich but it's a good ham sandwich and i believe i'm trying to think of some of the backstory i've read about this movie like when they originally started making it it wasn't just about steve weeby and billy mitchell it was about a bunch of different people setting video game records and they eventually realized that weeby and billy mitchell were so much more compelling they just focused on them i think have you heard that as well I actually didn't miss that. That is that that would make a lot of sense because I've always kind of questioned how did this movie come about? Like the fact that it started just as like a normal everyday like let's just interview people with video game records and then they found this mm-hmm. story that makes a ton of sense. Like reframing it as uh, as a sports movie really helped it out i'd say yeah i i believe the old woman doris trying to set Kubert, that she was one of the main characters there was a bunch of people and they just realized you know billy's so much more compelling let's just focus on him and what else did i hear that steve weeby and billy mitchell are actually friends they've hung out with a bunch of like done a bunch of stuff together there's lots of photo shoots of them together so like it's not exactly the way it was presented in the story and again i just want to get across to people and bailey said it as well that it's like it's a you know, fictional representation of real people and they made a story out of it. And damn it, the story is so compelling. I think I said earlier, my daughter, she's 20. She couldn't give a crap about competitive video games. And even she was like, that was really good. She couldn't believe how much she was into it. She it's, it's the narrative that they set up really just, it draws you in. You get drawn in right into the lore. You come for the comedy, you stay for the story. You want to see Steve win, but then like at the end, he just goes back to his family and he they show him playing with his kids and it's just like, you know what? He did win. He's a winner because he was able to both do this and have this life for himself. And I think that that was just it it really just shows that, you know what? This is um it really just shows that the uh winning isn't everything and it just shows Steve as somebody who can learn to 
take his victories from when he wants them and also his defeats and love the life that he has regardless. That's how it's presented. And I think that that's just a really wonderful end to this wonderful documentary. Yep. Well said. Perfectly summed up. I am friends with Steve on Facebook. He seems quite at peace with this movie. He does, you know, speaking engagements for it all the time. And I know they've talked about putting together a sequel to see what's happened to both of them after this movie since then. So there's a musical version of this that I looked up. There is a musical version of this, which was the best Wikipedia footnote I've ever found in my life. uh, That like, it's a, it looks like, I think it might be a female feeder, like put together a musical about, um, about Billy Mitchell and Steve Weeby and the documentary. And it looks like there is also a movie that is in the works, but it looks like it's, it, they're not sure whether it's going to be like an actual um, like dramatic retelling of the documentary or if it's going to be a movie that goes into what happened after the documentary was released. Hmm. Okay, it's good. So the King of Kong will live on forever in its legend. It, it might, but you know what else is better than the King of Kong? The King of Song, which is Steve Weeby's uh, contemporary Christian music <laughs> album that I also found. <laughs> and, I, and this is why I say this movie just gets better and better once you start researching it, because it's just like, uh, how? How is that a thing? Um, the Oh, also, one of my, the other thing that I think I should mention that happened after the movie aired um, they, uh, they also, Cartoon Network's regular show also parodied B- Billy Mitchell in its episode, one of its episodes about a video game tournament. Now, now how could you par- parody Billy Mitchell? How could you parody? He's a, just a normal, average, run-of-the-mill guy. Um, and uh, Billy Mitchell sued Cartoon Network and lost. Oh, no. Billy Mitchell never loses. He has tricks up his sleeve. <laughs> he... he he, uh, well, we can all answer the question. Maybe uh, I should see what happens when I lose. Maybe I should lose sometime. We can all see how that turned out. <laughs> now, I, again, I have a couple of friends that are in competitive video gaming, and one of them uh, just mentioned the other day, he's like, you know, if you like the King of Kong, there's another documentary out there called Chasing Ghosts, which basically has all the same characters, but I think it's about Pac-Man high scores. I have never seen that, but it's come to be highly recommended, so i got to look for it. Looks like it came out the same year that uh, that uh, what's it called um, King King of Kong. Wow, what documentary are we talking about? <laughs> the King of Song you were talking about, right? The CD. The King of Song, yes, yes. The superior, the superior uh, inlet into the King of Kong franchise is the King <laughs> of Song. I've said it, but yes, uh, looks like Walter Day is in it and Steve Sanders. Oh my God, it it is everyone. Yeah. I've heard Chasing Ghosts is just as good as this one, so I have to watch that because I want to see a little different perspective of Billy Mitchell because I I find him so fascinating. I want to see how he's presented from a different angle. I think if this is a more, like, regular interpretation of, like, just gaming in general, I would like to see that because I think that that's kind of the one part of this documentary that I think gets lost sometimes is that this isn't, like, it doesn't really delve, like, it delves into the parts of gaming competitive gaming that are important to the story but it really doesn't explore it as much and i i 
would love to see a documentary. I would love to see the regular documentary that they were looking to do of like actual people just trying to get their high scores like Doris. Cause, but uh, it's, it's still an amazing documentary. I just hope that Brian Koo is in that. My favorite, the, the prodigy, the flunky. Is he, is he, is he, is he, uh, he's not listed on IMDb. I think because he slit his wrist after he lost the Donkey Kong kill screen record. Oh my God. Uh, the ultimate kill screen. <laughs> we apologize to Brian Koo. I know he listens. <laughs> Brian, you're probably a wonderful person. That was <laughs> just a joke. Okay. That's a joke. Uh, yeah. Once again, I just want to thank you for coming on to talk about it. I know we've already gone much longer than the movie. The movie's only like 80 minutes. We have almost a two-hour podcast now. Oh, my God. Uh, well, if you got through the end of this, you can at least get to the end of King of Kong. That is the <laughs> that is the obvious yeah, truth. Highly recommended by both Bailey and me. Anybody, again, this is a movie that anybody would love. I've never met somebody who doesn't love this movie. It's so compelling. So just uh, now that you're in quarantine for a while, go seek it out, and you will have a rip-roaring good time for 80 minutes laughing at a story you did not know existed. Fill out your documentary universe. This is one you have to have. So anything else you want to add, Bailey, before we sign off here? Uh, you, Steve Weeby's wife, you're amazing. You're the best part of this documentary. I want to let you know that that's about it. <laughs> Excuse me. She's the wife of the Donkey Kong guy. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't let her be that. Don't let her be that. She deserves better than that. <laughs> okay. And again, once again, thank you for listening. My name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. Until the next time, I'll be out there searching for more movies that deserve more love, and I'll try to find somebody interesting to come on and talk about them. Hope you enjoy getting to your Donkey Kong kill screen. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. It's kind of one of my tougher students. He goes, yeah, when, when are you going to go kick that guy's ass? <laughs> I go, watch your language. I go, I'm going to do it here soon. <laughs>